prayer, much more than something we do before a meal or on a Sunday morning. It's a lifeline, a lifeline that goes straight to heaven. Let's talk about that next here on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. And again, greetings in Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Today we continue our series on prayer, and we want to focus in on some of the purposes of prayer, the fact that it's an act of dedication, an act of communication, supplication, and an act of cooperation. See, there's a lot of involvement with God when it comes to prayer, as we're seeing. Please join us, won't you? With today's broadcast of Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, let's catch up with Pastor Steve Converse now for today's program. But this morning, I just want us to uh, focus our hearts and our minds. Uh, You can turn to uh, John 15, actually, and we'll be starting uh, there this morning and kind of jumping around a little bit. Uh, The one thing that I want us to uh, think about is if the Lord was going to be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon, right here at the church, physically, if he was going to be here, and he was going to be here to meet you, and you had 20 minutes with him. That's it, just 20 minutes. What would you ask him? What would your request be? You know, some of us may say, well, I'd ask for protection, or I'd ask for forgiveness, or I'd ask maybe for a new job, maybe for some more money, maybe for a car or a home, or the salvation of a loved one. Well, last week we looked at, in Luke 11, when the disciples had just that opportunity they could ask him something. And they made one request. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And, I mean, of all the things they could have asked for, you stop and say, wow, that's pretty incredible. They asked that one thing. And I think probably it's because they looked at the life of Christ and they said, there's something different about this guy. There's something about this time of prayer when he goes away from us and he prays. Something happens because they saw him when he prayed and they saw the results of his prayers. Now the disciples also saw the Lord probably preach uh, some of the most incredible sermons that were ever to be preached. Would you agree? I mean, this is the son of God preaching, right? So if there's anyone you want to hear preach, it would be him. He's perfect. His sermons weren't too long, (laughs) but they weren't too short either. So it's kind of important that we focus on how he answered that question. And we did a little bit about, about that last week. But I think it's interesting that they watched him as he taught. They watched him perform miracles. They watched him heal the sick. They watched him raise the dead, heal lepers, give people back their sight. He did all kinds of incredible things in their presence. But you don't find the disciples going to Jesus saying, Lord, teach us how to preach. (laughs) Give us a homiletic class here. Uh, Teach us how to do all these miracles. We want to raise the dead. Teach us how to raise the dead. Instead, they focused on one thing. They said, Lord, teach us how to 
pray. Teach us how to pray. And I think all of us would agree that we all need a lesson in prayer. We all need, and we can all grow in our prayer lives. And I think the reason they asked Christ that was they saw that prayer was really the life support system in the life of Christ. They recognized that this was really the key to his life to some degree. And you know what? When you stop and think about it, last week we talked about studying the word and prayer as key pillars in any Christian's life. And I think, unfortunately, the the average Christian today in the church probably knows more about Twitter and Facebook than they do about prayer. It's kind of silly, but that's the age we live in. And there's a lot of misconceptions about prayer. There's a lot of ignorance about prayer in the church today, and hopefully we can clear a little bit about that up today. I mean, some people look at prayer kind of as a um, magic wand, You know, it's just, you just kind of say the words and it's kind of this superstitious approach to prayer and then you get what you want. It's kind of God in the the, the bottle kind of a thing, like a genie in the bottle. He comes out and my wish is your command, whatever you want. Some people think of prayer, you might say, as a first aid kit. They pull it out in a time of need, act of desperation maybe. Kind of like the sign that's by a fire extinguisher. Use only in emergency. That's how some people view prayer. You know, it's a last resort. When everything else falls apart, then you finally realize, wow, maybe I should go to the Lord in prayer. Remember hearing a story of a a deacon and pastor having a meeting one day. They're discussing a situation in the church. And the pastor said, well, you know what, brother? I guess all we can do is pray. And the deacon looked at him and said, it's come to that. That's kind of how we view prayer sometimes, beloved. Sometimes prayer is the last thing that we look to. You do everything you can, and then if it doesn't work out, then you pray. For some people, prayer is not only a magic wand or a first aid kit, but it's kind of like that old game tug of war. Remember that game? It's a religious con game. You play with God when you try to convince him to do something nice for you. Some people really have this idea when it comes to prayer. The idea that you have to beg and plead God and that God is some cold-hearted monarch sitting millions and millions and millions of miles wherever he's sitting and you have to urge and you have to beg and you have to plead with him and you have to convince him that he ought to do something good for you. It's kind of like a sales pitch. If you just keep it up, keep pestering him long enough, finally God gets so irritated, he says, okay, I'll give it to you. Have it your way. And he gives in. It's kind of like God is finally giving in to what you want. And if you pray hard enough, eventually he just kind of reluctantly gives it to you. Well, Jesus told a parable to illustrate the exact opposite of that. But I think the worst, the worst idea, the worst misconception when it comes to prayer for the Christian is that somehow prayer is relegated to some religious duty. It's something we do. And usually the motivating factor behind our prayer is guilt. I know I should pray often. I know I should pray more often. I, I ought to pray. It's something I ought to do. And pretty soon, muttering those words, prayer becomes not a living conversation with the living God, but a duty. It becomes a sense of obligation. That somehow, if you don't pray in the right way, all the time that somehow you're on God's bad list 
comes out of guilt. And so your prayer life becomes a meaningless ritual that eventually turns into a rut. I remember growing up in a church where I could pray prayers quickly and didn't even know what I was saying. What was it? It was just a ritual. Go in the little box and you make up some sins. And then the priest says, okay, well, here, go say this. Five Our Fathers, three Hail Marys. And you go out and you kneel down and you rip through those. Hey, I'm good to go. (laughs) And somehow that's a faulty, bad misconception. It just relegates prayer to this religious duty, this ritual of phrases that you've memorized. Sometimes when we hear people pray, it, it almost, it doesn't even seem like a conversation. And we've all done this, so I'm not picking on anybody other than myself. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting and you're praying and you come to a pause? You don't know what to say. So you just, rather than going, uh, you say Father or you say God. Not even understanding what you're saying. It's just to fill that blank space in your mind because you don't know what to say next. Can you imagine if someone came up to you and talked to you that way? Hi, Ambika, how was your day? Ambika, what are you going to do after church? Ambika, are you going to have lunch? And if I just kept on saying her name over and over in the conversation, you would go, what is wrong with you? And yet sometimes we treat God that way. We go into the presence of God and, and God, we just ask you today, God, that you would, God, bless this day, God. And we just keep saying it over and over. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm being critical myself because I do the same thing sometimes. But my point is this, is that's when prayer simply becomes a ritual. It's a good Catholic family. We used to pray before our meals. Bless the Lord for these. I guess we're true about to receive from my body of Christ. Lord, amen. Eat. And usually somebody already had food on their plate by the amen because they were peeking. And it became a ritual. Just something you did. And it was totally meaningless. But you knew you had to do it. <laughs> See, when you think of prayer, what is one word that pops into your head? When you ask certain people, even Christians, Sometimes, if they're honest with you, it's the word boring. Why do I have to pray? It becomes something that we endure rather than something that we enjoy. And trust me, I'm preaching this message to myself. God has beat me up this week with this message. See, if prayer is a duty for us, then really we've missed the point of prayer. We've missed the point of prayer. We don't understand prayer in the slightest if you think it's a duty. I mean, think about it. It's no wonder we can't get motivated if we're going to go around thinking, you know what, I should pray, I must pray, I have to pray. Pray is something I have to do. Prayer is something I have to do. So today I want to talk about four purposes of prayer. And John 15 is actually there right alongside of 13, 14, 15, and 16. So we're going to spend a little time in each. But these are are the Lord's last words, basically, to his disciples. It's the last discussion that Jesus Christ shared with his 12 disciples before he was crucified. Now, remember, Jesus kept telling his disciples and people in general, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be resurrected, and then I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm not going to be here anymore physically with you. I'm going to be gone. But you know what? I'm going to put your, my spirit in your lives, the Holy Spirit. You wait here and he'll, he'll fill you up. So you can still talk to me, even though I'm not here physically. You can talk to me through prayer. 
And so he gives them four reasons for prayer. The first one is this. Prayer is an act of dedication. Prayer is an act of dedication for a believer. It's an act of dedication in two ways. First of all, our devotion to God. And secondly, our dependence upon God. I mean, think about it. Prayer is a way of going to God and and, and devoting your time to him, saying, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your assistance. See, that's one of the biggest problems we have in our country even today is we don't feel a dependence upon God. We think we can work it out ourselves. And I mean, ever since the beginning, Adam and Eve, we basically vastly overestimated our abilities. And it gets us in trouble. So we go on thinking, I don't need to pray because I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I can handle this. It's only when we're faced with something maybe we think we can't handle that we go to prayer. The biggest problem, the biggest hurdle for us in prayer is admitting that we need God's help. Just admitting it. The reason a lot of people don't pray is because it costs them. It costs them honesty. You have to be honest with God. You have to say to God, you know what, I admit it. I, I am inadequate. I am helpless. Without you, God, I'm lost. I need your help in this situation. See, as long as we think we're self-sufficient, prayer really doesn't have any meaning for us. It doesn't have a place in our lives. If you think you've got it all together, why would you pray about things? So prayer is an act of dedication. God, I admit that I have a need. That's first and foremost. I need your help in my life. It's a declaration, you might say, of dependence upon God. It's our way of saying, this proves I'm depending on you, God. I'm praying. That's why Paul instructs us, as we found out last week, to pray all times, right? Not just sometimes, because how often do we need God? All the time. In John 15, verse 5, look at what he says here. He's given this illustration of a vine and branches. And he says, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do most things. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. (laughs) It says you can do what? Nothing. No thing. Nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, if you be dependent upon me, express your trust in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask, look at this, whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Wow. Sounds like a blank check. If you really put your dependence in me, the Lord says, you can ask whatever you will, and you know what? I will give it to you. You think of a branch, and you think of the vine, and how they're connected. If you cut that branch off of the vine, what happens? It dies. I remember seeing a documentary on TV about a, this lost ship, and there was supposed to be all this gold in it. And it was about, they didn't know if it was 800, 1,000 feet underneath the water. And so they had to actually put one of those uh, uh, diving um, bells or whatever you call them. Where it's kind of a giant cylinder, metal cylinder, and they put two or three guys in there. And, and they lowered it down to about 800 feet, and they, they found what they were looking for. But in the documentary, I remember the guy on the the ship was saying, yeah, the only thing that is keeping these guys alive down there is this oxygen tube, (laughs) this tube that's delivering air to them. If somehow this, this tube becomes severed or they lose oxygen, they will die. 
because we won't be able to pull them up fast enough. See, that's what prayer is for the believer. It's kind of like a support system. If you cut it off, you run out of spiritual air. Prayer is an act of dedication. It shows our dependence upon God. It shows our devotion to God. I remember Bill Bright had a a little track out years ago, and uh, he called it a little booklet or track. He called it Spiritual Breathing. And he talked about how, as Christians, we need to be constantly in prayer, just like we're breathing. You know, we we exhale and and, and we get rid of all those sins. We confess our sins, but then we're filled with the Spirit. We ask the Spirit to to take charge once again of our lives. And he called it spiritual breathing. And and that's really what needs to be going on in our lives 24-7. Because prayer is our support system. And until we realize that we need God 24-7, we're not going to pray. We're just not going to pray. So it's not just a dedication, but secondly, prayer is an act of communication. A lot of the problems in our own lives, beloved, you know what they're a result of? They're a result of lack of communication. If somehow we could just figure that out, men, with our wives, and just learn to communicate to them in a way that they need to be communicated to, a lot of the issues in our relationships would just go bye-bye. I mean, stop and think about it. I mean, how many times have... You miscommunicated with your wife or not communicated with your wife, and it caused a problem. But if you simply would have communicated, and wives, it goes the other way too. I'm not just picking on the guys. It's a two-way street. But poor communication, whether it's with your wife, your husband, or your people at your business, your neighbors, poor communication is always an issue. It's always a problem. Most of our problems in life come from poor communication. I mean, the one thing... I learned, and I still work on it, is that in marriage, you can't understand the person you're married to unless you communicate with them. And for somebody that doesn't communicate a lot, (laughs) that's not good for a marriage. So you need to learn to communicate. Most of you remember, you're probably old enough to remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. Remember that? Standoff between President Kennedy and Khrushchev over Russia putting these uh, missiles that could reach the United States down in Cuba. It's almost a, a war over this thing. Well, why was that? Because there was no communication. There wasn't proper communication. And out of that whole fiasco came one positive thing. One benefit of the Cuban Missile Crisis was the fact that each country agreed afterwards to establish a communication hotline between the two countries. And you've probably all seen the picture of, you know, the president's desk with a red phone there. You don't think they have that anymore, but they used to. And if that phone rang, he knew that it was a world leader and needed to talk to him right away. There was no theater in between those. It was a direct line. Why did they do that? So there wouldn't be any further misunderstanding. So at any time, if somebody thought somebody was doing something wrong or whatever, they could simply pick up the phone and talk to the person in charge. And that's very crucial when it comes to the international scene in our society. But think about it. It's even more crucial in the Christian life. See, prayer is an act of dedication, but it's also an act of communication. You can't communicate with somebody unless you know you're in a relationship with them. What is our relationship to God? Look at John 15. John 15. Look at verse 15 and 16. He says, No longer do I call you servants, this is the Lord, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But, he says, I have called you what? Friends. 
For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You just think he did that through osmosis? No, he communicated to them. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And then look at how he ends in verse 16. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. He says, the reason you can ask anything in prayer is because, you know what? We're friends. We have a different relationship than we had before you followed me. God says, I don't treat you like servants, like slaves. I treat you like friends. Sometimes we have a hard time praying, I believe, is because we fail to recognize what a privilege it is to speak to our creator. We forget that. We have an invitation with our creator, God, whenever we want it. He's there for us. We don't have to talk to some bureaucrat on the lower level. Don't you hate that when you call? It could be a company. It could be called the government. You call and, and you're trying to get something done. And I'm studying this week. And I'm like, thank goodness. Thank God. We don't have a God that hold, you know, hold, hold. We can access him at any time of the day, 24-7. We need to be reminded about that. That we're going to have a conversation with God himself. See, you don't have to know, you don't have to know key men if you know the man who holds the what? The keys, <laughs> right? And we know the man who holds the keys. God says, I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and you're my friends. And you know what? I want to talk with you. I can't wait to talk with you. That's what prayer is. It's a dedication, but it's also communication. And see, part of the problem is, I think we <laughs> fail to understand that this God who created us and everything around us, we have a hard time believing that he's really interested in us. I mean, we can't conceive of a God who's interested in something like car payments or house payments or new clothes for the kids before they go to school or the guy at work that keeps pestering us or the back problem in our body that doesn't stop or anything else. See, when you fully discover how much God really loves you, trust me, prayer will no longer be a problem for you. It's not the problem of, oh, I have to pray. You don't look at it that way anymore. And I think most of us don't realize how much God really does care about us, how much he really does love us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love to talk to people who love me the most. I, I don't like confrontation. I don't like to talk to somebody who hates me. I mean, maybe there's some people out there, oh, I can't wait, you know. But I'm not that way. And see, if you find prayer a duty, a ritual, a routine that you're not looking forward to going through, it means maybe you don't understand how much God is in love with you and how much he's interested in everything that is of interest to you. I mean, I totally understand the idea if you have to go to talk to God and talk to him about things of no interest. I mean, who's going to want to do that? Hey, God, I want to talk to you about something. I know you're not interested. I'm not really interested in it either, but let's just talk. You're not going to do that. But God says, you're, you're, you're my friend. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. It's an act of dedication. It's a way of expressing our dependence upon God. And prayer is an act of communication. It's the way that we communicate with God himself. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Mm -hmm.